Hey guys, before we jump into the show, I got a little bit of a message for you. It's 2017, everyone. We're here, and my resolution is to boost our listenership and followership by blatantly bribing you all to share Grits and Grids podcast posts and our blog posts. I'm going to do that with a little help from my friends. So, we put together three prize packs with a bunch of awesome stuff. The first one's called Eye Candy, which includes some t-shirts and some prints from good friends like Jay Fletcher and Caleb Morris. The second one's called Brain Food, where we have a bunch of books. Uh, Charlie Hopper's Selling Eating, Denise Leon's What Great Brands Do, and one of my own, Stop Blasting My Mama. And then we have the grand prize, which is a collection of a bunch of awesome stuff, including some uh, free fonts from Fort Foundry, as well as a free custom t-shirt order from Black Hat Merchandising. All of this is happening for each time you share one of our posts. That's all you gotta do, share it, or tag your friends on Instagram, or do something to proliferate the goodness that is Grits and Grids. So share any post that you like on Grits and Grids with all of your friends, or tag them on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. We'll pick someone at random for each prize pack, so only one winner per prize pack. Um, Check out the website to see the full skinny on what you could win, and tell the world about the amazingness that is Grits and Grids. As always, thank you for tuning in, thanks for listening, and now, on to the show. All right, Grits and Grids, so a little bit of a change of plan. We were going to have Allison Seth on today along with Craig Johnson, um, and instead we're going to do this one-on-one, a little bit of technical difficulties, but I think we're still going to have some good stuff to talk about. Um, so today I have Craig Johnson from Matchstick, who is a... Uh, brand identity house i think you'll do a better job of uh telling that story uh you said that you said that exactly right um yeah we're a, a brand identity house here in atlanta georgia uh so less working on the marketing or advertising side of things and more specifically working on helping companies figure out who they are and what's that core expression of their identity in the market Nice. Yeah. So when I first moved to Atlanta, you were one of the first places that uh, popped up in front of my face. Much respect. And um, one of the reasons why I want to have you on is because it's 2017, at least when this is airing, it'll be 2017. Um, (laughs) And I think one of the things that I had such a big problem with when, when I started Vigor back back in the day was that we were everything to everyone. There was no focus. And um, what I realized is we weren't practicing what we preach. And what I found about Matchstick is you guys have a niche, not necessarily in an industry, but in, like you just said, like you guys do brand identity and, and finding out that core moment with a, a company. How did you guys get there and what prompted you to do just that and focus? Yeah. So I think that, um, you know, for us, like a lot of business decisions, it was, it was felt like a little bit of necessity. You know, we started, in the early 2000s and kind of grow, grew up through, you know, the, the first five years of our business, probably what we did more than anything was, do you remember those little tiny flash websites where you would go click on a site and it would pop up a little window that was in flash? Hmm. Uh, that was like mostly what we did. And we were just a graphic design shop. And it was also the time period when things, when crowdsourcing came out, 99 designs Mm -hmm. and a lot of other things like it. And so, it, it felt more and more like just being a graphic designer uh, and being a graphic design shop end all be all was just, you know, we meant nothing to anybody. And I actually right. had a, my very best customer, this was a key moment for me, was introducing me to somebody and he was doing his best to tell this <laughs> person about how great Matchstick was. And he said, oh, you got to meet Craig from Matchstick. Matchstick's the best. I mean, they do 
everything. Oh. And I just thought, oh my gosh, I've totally failed. Like everything means nothing. He does, right. he, my, my best customer doesn't even know what to tell this guy we do. And so, you know, how could we try to find new customers? So we said, we got to find, we got to be known for something. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we kind of leveraged the the Jim Collins hedgehog concept uh, to try to think about, hey, what are we most passionate about? What do we believe we can be best in the world at and where we can make money? And so mm-hmm. we landed uh, with brand identity. And at the time, when we made that shift was 2008. So our first five years of our company were just as a graphic design firm. Mm-hmm. And uh, when, we were, when we first did that, nobody in the city was trying to position themselves as a branding firm. And that's, I feel like that's very different uh, you know, six, seven years later, but, uh, that's kind of how we got to that point. Yeah. It seems like, uh, so many studios are popping up. I just heard of another one, uh, at the last meeting I was in. And I think, you know, one of my biggest gripes with a lot of these places is they don't practice what they preach. And I can only say that because I, I had a similar moment that you had, like where I had an epiphany where like, Oh my God, like the people I spend the most time with have no clue how to talk about me and come to think of it. Neither really do I. Mm-hmm. You know, and so yeah. it, it begged to say, "Hey, look, you have to find something that you can own um, and actually talk about." Especially when I don't know about y'all, but you know, we're not having a treasure bath over here, so our marketing budget isn't astronomical, right? Um, you know, yeah. And I think companies have the same problem, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, I think that, and I think it happens more as companies grow. You know, I, I you know. I, Jim Collins, who I'm obviously a big fan of, but one of the quotes that he said, one of the things he said that rings in my head a lot is that most companies die not because of lack of opportunity, but because of too much opportunity and they don't know what to say no to. And Mm. I think that I see that. And I always, I tell our clients that we get hired more to clean up a mess of a brand than to, than to create a new brand. You know, it's to go in and say, Hey, there's so many different things going on. You know, I think our average, you know, when we're doing a brand audit for a client, we probably find on average about five different logos that are being used. And I don't mean like the same logo just repurposed a slightly different way to be square instead of rectangle. I'm talking five mm-hmm. completely different logos that are all being used. Um, and there's just, I've just learned to accept that that's a part of the nature of a company is to, soon as you get focused and say, this is what our brand is, the next week somebody says, but I have this new initiative and this new idea and it definitely mm-hmm. needs its own name and logo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we have, we we noticed that within a company that we work closely with, who shall go unnamed, where every initiative has to have a logo. Yep. Every subdivision has to have its own logo and name and it gets so convoluted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Even if you do have the budget to market all of it, it's... Uh, it's one of those things that you, when you look at it from an outsider, you're like, oh, wow, how'd you get to this point? But I think, you know, like you said, you've been around for eight years now, right? For 13 years. Oh, 13 years. I'm sorry. 13 wow. years. Um, and, that, and that amount of time, I mean, I'm sure you saw some of those things happening where, wow, we have actually like six different things that we have that kind of look different and they may be internal facing, but that's still a part of our brand. Has that ever happened? Yeah, I mean, you, you can be honest. Circle of trust, man. No, no, no. You mean <laughs> has it ever happened that people have a lot of different like within Matchstick? Oh, within Matchstick. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I think that we're uh, we we definitely do this work on ourselves, and we come back and we mm-hmm. say, "Hey, what are we doing?" I think our, our our issues are less that we created too many logos for different things because mm-hmm. we're so small enough, and we're design centric company, and our creative director doesn't you know sees every single thing before it goes out, and so mm-hmm. it's a little bit easier to to catch those guardrails. But you know, our bigger questions around. Hey, how do we want to be perceived in the market? And are our customers actually perceiving us that way? And hey, there's new competition. It's harder to compete in this thing. What do we deal? What do we do with this new type of competition we see creeping in? And I'm always trying mm-hmm. to think about how do we, you know, not try to resist what's going on competitively, but how do we, uh, how do how do we make it seem like that's something we completely fit in with and are and are very different than and sometimes can work hand in hand with. So I'll tell you one interesting thing that happened when we became a brand identity firm as opposed to a graphic design firm is that probably once or twice a year, we do a branding project for another agency. And they're they're all over the country. We've done them in DC and South Carolina and California. And they may be digital firms or PR firms. And they come to us and say, we want you to do our brand. And I thought that's my favorite thing where Maybe I would have seen you as competition a while mm-hmm. ago, but now we're I'm actually your customer. You're my customer, or we're, right. we can partner on things. Um, yeah, but those are the it's things nice, that we're constantly uh, that, that having comes around like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think one of the hardest parts about finding a niche, whether it's uh, what you have done, which is a niche in service. Uh, opposed yep. to a niche in in restaurant, or I'm um, sorry, a niche in um, industry, is. You have to, if you're going to own it, you, you, that means you have to say no to other things mm-hmm. that aren't in that wheelhouse. And, and do you find that hard? Do you find that tough? How did you, you know, grow the brass tacks to be able to do it? Yeah, I think we, we probably, I think we first started just saying no because we just, you know, believed we got to be known for something. Or you were um, a Nancy Reagan fan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and, but, you know. I don't think that that means you have to say no to every single thing that comes across your plate that's not exactly in your wheelhouse. Now, mm-hmm. do you need? Does it need to be in your, you know, uh, the core of what you do? Yes, it does. It does it have to be the exact same? You know, does every client have to fit in the same box? No, they don't, uh, because they're all different and they're all unique. And so I, I always use the analogy that uh, of a pharmacy, right? And and mm-hmm. the last time you went to a pharmacy, why did you go there? Uh, good question. Probably to pick up some aspirin. There you go. But you can also probably pick up a, a gallon of milk and a People magazine there, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. they still position themselves as a drugstore. Uh, and everything they do is around that. And so um, I think that's an important that's an important piece to, to consider. But it also is saying, hey, we got to understand, just like the Jim Collins quote, what's the opportunity we say no to? And I think what's mm-hmm. hard is there are the things that you clearly do, there's the things you clearly don't do, and then there's always a gray area. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, what do we do with this gray area? And I think that's a that's a challenge to figure out. Yeah, definitely, especially when you're smaller. I would say, you know, three, four person shop, for instance, um, which you all were at one point as well. Yeah, <clears throat> it's 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 tough because you can't say no to the money. I mean, you can, but like, it's hard to say no to the paycheck. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I, I say sometimes like, hey, we can. There are times, and, and the the reality is, the busier you are, the more the busier we are, the more picky we are. 
right? Mm-hmm. And we, we, when things are slow, we we start getting a little bit more creative. And sure. I say sometimes I say, hey, I'd rather take this client that maybe is slightly out of our sweet spot, but I know we can do a really good job at it. I'd rather do that than say we got to lay off, you know, Susie. You know, sure. <laughs> because we, don't, we can't afford to pay her. It's like, no, you know, we're in a slow period. We can do this. I'd rather do that than have to, you know, let go of Susie. Yeah. So. I mean, let's face it. Susie had it coming and she was warned three times. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Susie right. has a very bad track record. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I get what you mean. Yeah. I mean, hopefully it's not, it never comes to that where it's like take the job or let someone go. Um, but it's, it is a, a bit tough because I think some people bite off more than they really should be biting off. Um, you know, not necessarily just in our industry, but in other ones. And it's like, you do sort of take a lateral step and muddy the waters a bit. Don't you think if you, if you go outside your wheelhouse? Well, yeah. And I think at the end of the day, every, especially in the agency world, people are good at one thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's the five other things they're going to try to sell you, but mm-hmm. they're really good at one thing. And, and, but also clients like to buy different ways. You know, sometimes they want to buy, you know, most of the time when we engage with a client, they say, hey, I want to work with the experts, you know, with a handful of different mm-hmm. agencies that are all best in the world at what they do. But then sometimes mm-hmm. you have somebody that says, hey, I really want somebody that can manage the relationship really well and be that one point of contact. You know, I want that one throat to choke kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and what those what those agencies are really good at is managing relationships. They're pets in the world mm-hmm. at project management and the account side of things. And they're, may, you know, I may, you or I may look at the work and say, you know what, it's not that inspiring. I don't know if it was that great. But, you know, what did that client want? They wanted something that was easy and simple. And that's what they may be best in the world at. Sure. Yeah. They wanted like a one-stop shop um, to handle soup to nuts, essentially. Yeah. And um, I think too, for as companies get bigger, and I'll I'll think beyond just the agency world. You know, sure. as companies get bigger, you almost begin forming these different companies within the company, right? And this division mm-hmm. does this, this division does this, and they go they get, they get their customers. And then the challenge is, how do we build the brand around something that's much bigger, a larger umbrella of meaning that then filters down into those different departments and groups? But they mm-hmm. can kind of work autonomously and have their own customers and their own P and Ls and operate that way with their specific expertise but it does always need to tie back up to a larger purpose and a larger meaning yeah that that, that why for the overarching brand yeah and i think you know there are some brands that try to do that in the restaurant space um not to rope it back to that but yeah, we're sort of there um yeah. <laughs> but you know like darting group you know is notorious like darting group had uh olive garden red lobster longhorn i think a couple others um but i think the restaurant industry has actually been quite terrible in that situation that you just explained, um, what what does Darden mean? Stand for what? What are they? I mean, are they your suburban, run of the mill, cookie cutter experiences? Because um, if so, I think they kind of nailed it. But <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's what they are to me. I mean, they are yeah. they're predictable and they are scale and they are operations. I mean, they're all of those things over. You know, is it the best lobster that I'm going to eat anywhere? The mm-hmm. best crab legs? No, but. I don't think the the person that's going there is is looking for that. They're looking for, you know what? I got three kids and we need a predictable meal and they like this kind of a smoothie, right. <laughs> a red lobster and we know what what we're going to get and and so that's where they go. And so I don't think there's any 
you know, it, it's easy to, for, for a lot of folks uh, I know make fun of Darden, and it's easy to make mm-hmm. fun of them. But the reality is, what they do, I think they're they're good at, and I think their challenge is, as our society gets a little bit more, you know, they know a little bit more about food. There's there's risk of them becoming a little bit more irrelevant, uh, and that's right. probably their challenge. Pardon the interruption, folks, but here's a message from one of our sponsors. The only thing embarrassing about 2016 was you didn't launch your brand. The minimums were too high, screen fees were ridiculous, and you knew your project was going to be run after the horrible family reunion t-shirts. Your brand deserves the same craft and respect you put into it, and that won't happen with your average partner. Black Hat Merchandising is way more than a churn and burn screen printer. They're a true partner to launch and grow your brand the smart way. No screen fees, low minimum orders, and fair pricing. Black Cat merch is run by designers for designers, with the focus of growing your brand. Make 2017 the year your brand takes over by visiting blackcatmerch.com and mentioning Grits and Grits for a special offer. Yeah, I mean, especially with what happened with Olive Garden, I think maybe a year ago where that uh, aggressive takeover from another venture group basically just opened the kimono and exposed everything. You know, the fact that they don't even salt their water when they're cooking the pasta was kind yeah. of, a, you know, an eye opener for them. Um, see, I thought everyone was going to Red Lobster for the cheesy bread, but I could be wrong on that one. Oh, too. man. <laughs> cheddar Bay biscuits. You can't you right? can't beat the Cheddar Bay biscuits. <laughs> like I, I will I will sit at that table with a hood and like sunglasses <laughs> on just to have them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and same thing with the endless breadsticks and uh, right. salad. It's like so good. <laughs> That's awesome. Um but yeah, I think you know, there's a lot of instances where those parent companies really I think honestly, maybe it's not by design, but Darden has nailed that. Uh, what you just laid out, but I don't think it's maybe by design. Like, do they really want to nail that? Is that what they want to be? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. And I always say a great brand, you know, is when what you say you are in the boardroom is who people say you are on the street. And and right. I don't know what they're saying in the boardroom. I just know what people are saying on the street. Yep. But um, I will say that in general, my my bent is always when people start dogging on a company. I think well. What if, what if they are what if you're just not the target customer and they're doing a really yeah. good job of serving someone else and you know that's there's nothing there's no shame there. Yeah, I agree. So we had a, a potential client turned into a client come through and they they knocked one of our other projects and they were like, you know, I'll be honest, we really can't stand the way that looks. And I'm like, you know what? That means we did our job cuz you are the complete opposite of who we want there. Yeah. You know, and they just they just looked at me and they're like, okay, yeah, I mean, that's that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, stuff. So right. what has been the most challenging moment for you, uh, I would say, with Matchstick and having to live up to that niche of being brand identity house? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the, the probably the biggest challenge of being a brand identity house is that it's it's just project it's project work. And so you got to keep mm-hmm. that, you got to keep it feeding. Sometimes I get jealous of the, you know, the, the people that run social media programs because that's something that just has to mm-hmm. happen forever. Right. Like mm-hmm. I was just talking to somebody that that's what they do. They do PR and social media and all their clients come December, they sign up for the next year and they know what mm-hmm. it is. You know, you could add, you know, every time you add a new client, you, you get, you know, in theory, you could have that client for the next five, 10 years, as long as you mm-hmm. do a good job and they stay in business. Uh, but when you're doing, you know, people don't need a new brand identity every year. And right. so 
um, I think that's been a challenge. And and what we're we've been working on now is just a lot of clients saying, "Hey, we we need you to not just create the identity, but really help us steward it over time." And so that's mm-hmm. what we've been working on there. But that's I think one of the biggest challenges. Yeah, I think that that kind of retainer situation that you just mentioned is crucially important for brand identity. I don't know if a lot of clients quite realize that, but you know, just because you laid the foundation doesn't mean you don't maintain the house. Right. You know, um, you know, I think some, a lot more clients are getting savvy to that, you know, that just because they have a designer maybe on staff or two, that doesn't mean that there shouldn't be an outside party always keeping a finger on that pulse. Right. Um, we, we, we are in a weird situation where we kind of have a littering of different kinds of client relationships. Uh, some are startup get them up and running, see you later. Some are uh, ongoing marketing and then some are here and some are there, you know, and I think that's because our niche is um, very focused on restaurant and beverage, a lot like um, Allison, who will be on on one of the other shows. Um, would you, like, would you ever suggest that for a creative firm? Like from uh, your, your standpoint, would you say it's smarter to niche in an industry or is it smarter to niche in a, um, in, in a service. And I'm specifically making this argumentative because I think it'll be fun. <laughs> no, well, and I, you know, uh, you're going to hate it because I'm not going to be argue. I'm not going to argue about it because okay. I really think, I, I don't think there's a right or wrong strategy. I think what's important is to say we have a niche. And mm-hmm. I, I tell our clients when they're asking me about, well, you know, do you do a lot of work in our industry? And I'll say, you know, hey, there's companies, agencies typically from what I see, either focus specifically in a, in a type of service and they do it for a lot of different industries or you have somebody that says, hey, we go to this one industry but we'll provide a host of services for them. Mm-hmm. And I think – or and then every now and again you get somebody that doubles down and does both. And I think that the challenge there is either A, uh, you know, you it's it, it may be difficult to scale, a little bit more difficult to scale and you're so – dependent on that one market being successful. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I know a lot of people, I knew a lot of real estate branding firms in 2007 that were mm. not firms in 2009 because right. that industry, you know, got crushed. Yep. And that's, that's one thing I do like about our side of it is that we can kind of come and go with different industries. And I always say you can look at whatever industries we're most consistently working with and that's probably what's most hot right now like we're doing a lot of multifamily housing branding work right now we didn't Mm -hmm. do any of that for the eight years prior to about two years ago and we've done a lot for the last two years why because Mm -hmm. that industry is hot right now and and a lot of people when they do hire us a lot of times they'll say hey we don't want to work with the firm that focuses on that because we look at their stuff and it all Look, it all starts to look like itself. We want somebody right. who can bring some new thinking to the table. So, um, you know, there's pros and cons of both, right? There's, we may have to get caught up to speed a little bit on the industry, but we may bring some fresh thinking that mm-hmm. somebody else wouldn't. Where on the other side, you know, the, the pro is, hey, they already know everything about the industry. And so uh, they may have some additional insights that, that you may not have even thought of if you're going with somebody who's focused on the industry. But I think what's most important is just, again, it's back to that simple question of what's the one thing you're going to be known for. And that may be an industry. It may be a type of service. But it's got to be something. Right. Yeah, and I think that's, that's you know, being on, on the side where we've niched on um, 
a certain world like food and beverage. Um, it's something that I'm very cognizant of. Like we, we, we cannot be that group of people that says, Oh, we know everything about restaurant beverage. Like, you know, that's it. No, cause we, we constantly are keeping um, on the forefront of that industry. Cause I think unlike a lot of other industries, it changes so quickly. Um, so fast. Um, yeah. That if you get that arrogance that we know it all, <laughs> you're yeah. going to fall away, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, but, you know, brand identity and brand development tends to be, I mean, the, the, the fundamentals are there. I think the thing that changes with that world is the, the market itself, right? I mean, our audiences. You mean the audience of the world of brand identity, the audience changes? Yeah, like not not the world of brand identity, but like the pe- people in general, that's the moving part for niching like in say brand identity or marketing is, you know, you can have all the fundamentals of how to create a brand. But the one thing that changes the most is how uh, the market uh, of the world out oh, there yeah. actually thinks, perceives, engages, and uh, therefore the strategies that you develop probably change as well, right? Yeah, yeah, they definitely do. And, and, and every company is unique and but at the end of the day every company has a reputation the question is mm-hmm. what is your reputation what do you want it to be and how far is the gap between those two and how do we need to change the way we talk that we put ourselves out there to try to shift that that reputation awesome Cool. Well, hey, man, this has been a great, great discussion. I wish we could go longer, um, but I know we both have some time constraints. And I'd like to give you a little bit of time to plug Matchstick and anything else you have going on. Yeah, no, great. Uh, yeah, you can check us out at matchstick.com. That's uh, without the K on the end of it or on Instagram at Matchstick House. Uh, awesome. And uh, if you're in Atlanta, come out to Creative Mornings. We run the Atlanta chapter of Creative Mornings the last Friday of every month. We have about four or 500 creatives that come out. So you can go to creativemornings.com and just go click on the Atlanta chapter and sign up for the email list or follow us on that Instagram as well. Awesome. I highly suggest checking out their book as well. And um, I can't attest to Creative Mornings because it's something I want to do and I never do. And it's embarrassing. And if you've listened to any of the other episodes, you know that I'm very hard on myself about this. So I will get to one. I promise. Um, so <laughs> yeah, again, out. thanks uh, thanks for hopping on the show. I think what we're going to have is Allison Seth from Seth Design Group is kind of going to run another episode with me where we talk about niching in um, – you know, an industry. And I think there's going to be some great overlaps and um, look forward to that and launching this one as well. And thanks for being on, Craig. Awesome. Thanks so much, Justice. Absolutely. Once again, everyone, thank you for tuning in. Do follow us at Grits Grids. That's Grits Grids with no end in between on Instagram and Twitter. This podcast and the Grits and Grids blog is a passion project of Vigor, a restaurant and beverage branding and marketing firm based in Atlanta. Check us out at www.vigorbranding.com. And of course, we're all over social media. Until next week, stay hungry, stay thirsty, and be creative.